1: Good morning gang and welcome to New Southern Garden of course. I'm your pal, your gardening friend Nathan Wilson and I'm glad that you decided to join us. What better activity could you possibly doing be doing on this beautiful May spring day than to garden. I've, I've always said that whether it's sunny, whether it's rainy, whether it's windy, whether it's cloudy, even If it's 5,000 degrees outside, (laughs) it's still a good day to garden. Just be sure you're not only watering yourself, but watering, excuse me, not watering your plants, but also watering yourself. Because, of course, we gardeners, we must stay hydrated as we walk around our landscapes, pulling weeds. It's a big problem right now. Fertilizing, planting new plants, whatever we're doing we got to make sure that we're staying healthy. We are healthily gardening. But today we continue our discussion in the perennial garden. Now remember, the perennials are those plants that come back year after year. Yes, trees and shrubs, they come back year after year, and in a sense they are perennial. But we usually mean, when we say perennial, uh, plants that are herbaceous, meaning they don't form a woody rigid structure like your trees and your shrubs do I know these plants they come back usually from their rootstock every year and they died down, down to the ground over winter usually now there are plenty of perennials that are evergreen and they maintain their foliage all year but generally they don't form a woody rigid structure like shrubs would so We've already talked about, you know, selecting plants and observing the site and working the soil. And now we've talked about planting last week. So let's assume that you've got your perennials planted. They seem to be happy and healthy. But how do you keep them happy and healthy? Of course, that is the maintenance part of gardening. And some people get a bit... uh, Oh, perturbed by maintenance. I don't know. I don't think we should get upset about it. I think that when it comes to maintenance, we should embrace it because it's as much of gardening as the planting. It's as much a part of gardening as the flowers themselves that you will enjoy for years to come with these perennials. And we are going to talk throughout today's program about watering, that's a very essential thing in many uh, part, in, in many times of the year, at many times of the year across many different areas of the South here. Fertilizing, we will be fertilizing our plants, we will be mulching our plants, we will be weeding them, and we will be grooming and pruning them, and those are some of the things we'll be talking about today. Now, before we get into today's discussion, uh, I do want to remind you that if you missed any part of this series about the perennial garden, which has become quite fashionable and quite uh, popular to, to do, create perennial beds in our landscapes, then you can check out those older episodes online at NewSouthernGarden.com. Of course, you can find every episode of this program we've ever had. And you can also send us a question uh, for next week, of course, during our Q&A week. So if you got something bothering your begonias or agitating your asters, let us know at NewSouthernGarden.com, and you can also send questions, videos, pictures, and whatnot, and become social with us on Facebook and Instagram, where you will get everything you need to know what's what's going on with New Southern Garden. So, of course, there are ways to listen to older episodes, but we are going to talk about new things today, and... Um, Before we talk about the details of watering and fertilizing, et cetera, et cetera, I do want to bring a few truths to light, a few plant truths, if you will, things that maybe we assume or things that we need, really things we need to know before we start getting into uh, the perennial garden. First of all, that very first year when you plant your plant, now that we've already talked about planting perennials, that first year is very formative. In other words, it is this newly introduced plant, this newly introduced perennial, it's going to spend its first season mainly getting established in your garden beds. Now that means that root growth is going to be its highest priority, and of course, you're not really going to see that happen. So... This first year, when you're planting perennials, be sure to enjoy the perennials first year, but just know the best is yet to come. That more is on the way. It may look small. It may look tiny. It may not put out a lot of foliage, and it may put out a few blossoms. But the point of a perennial is not to just enjoy for one year. No, 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 no. The point of a perennial is to enjoy for years and years to come. And so that first year, we may have to overlook some... Uh, Small growth, we may have to overlook some minor but not very showy blooming because year after year you will have enjoyment from that plant. Now, unfortunately, when people come to me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens where I spend my weeks, and you can find me there, uh, people are looking for plants. And one of the first things they say is, I want a no-maintenance plant or I want a no-maintenance garden. Well, that's just a lie from the devil. There is no such thing as no-maintenance plants. Newly planted plants are especially in need of some things. In order for those to survive, you are going to have to nurture young perennials. Think of them as young children. They need our help. We have to feed them. We have to change them. We have to bathe them, etc. And there are some things that young perennials will need from you. But here's the great thing. Um, As plants become more established, they may need less and less help from you. And so that's a wonderful thing. Uh, You can enjoy these perennials with little less effort than some other things may require. But that being said, there will still be a certain amount of trimming back, shaping, uh, deadheading spent flowers in order for these guys and girls to look their best. Now, of course, some perennials are definitely worth a little more effort. Some perennials are no-brainers. They're easy. You plant them. You let them go. You don't do much to them at all. But some others that may be spectacular uh, are going to be worth a little extra effort. Now, as time goes on, one other truth you want to think about is that you're going to discover much more about each perennial's personality. Sometimes in the first year and, and then definitely as the years progress. Now. There are some aggressive, assertive plants that are going to uh, grow very quickly, spread out, increasing their bulk and density, and sometimes their numbers. Now, some of those plants may become kind of weedy. In other words, you're having to pull them and remove some as they spread into this or that. But um, those kinds of plants may be good to share with other gardeners. Just let them know it's quite an aggressive plant. And then again, some of those plants can be moved around to other areas. If you have large expanses, those aggressive plants can certainly take over and fill in. But then, of course, there are the kind of less outgoing plants, the more uh, introverted plants that may need a little bit of help from you in order to stand out. So perennial gardening is going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And definitely, you're going to learn a lot of things just from the plant's personality. Something else that I found uh, working in the nursery is that some folks think that when we plant a space or a small piece of garden or an entire landscape, that we're finished, that we're done. And the truth is, especially in the perennial garden, the work is never done. The work in the perennial garden is is a um, progress. It's a work in progress, I should say, and we're never truly finished now, this isn't just because, you know, the creative process, trying to get new inspiration, new ideas, enthusiasm, that that ever stops. But also, we've got to remember that we're working with a certain medium that are living creatures. We are working with living plants that have countless Variables, varieties. Yes, some things may die, and plants do have life cycles and life spans. Uh, they react to their and what well, they react and adapt, I should say, to their immediate environment. Maybe even your local climate. And then again, perennials may behave differently from year uh, one to year two to year three. They may act differently year after year, and that's okay. Let me reassure you, folks, that we can't always expect plants to behave a certain way and definitely the types of winters we have may affect the roots lying underground maybe it's too cold maybe it's too damp too wet and so some plants struggle but maybe it's a beautiful winter a wonderful winter and plants are actually growing a bit and then they super surge in the spring if we have a nice spring but what again in the summer if we have too much heat too much drought plants are going to adapt they're going to change and even though we're talking about perennials, plants that come back year after year, sometimes it is necessary to change them out. Sometimes they plants have a mind of their own. As a matter of fact, they may frustrate us. They may surprise us. But surely, plants are going to delight us. And there is a remark from an experienced botanical garden referring to plants having a mind of their own. He says, They often take the brush right out of our hands and paint their own next scene. And I think it's a beautiful thing. Now, I'm not necessarily a painter or uh, an, an artist in that sense, but I kind of get creative in the landscape. And definitely, it's something that you rely on. The plants, you have to rely on to do what they're going to do or not do what they're going to do. And they may surprise us and change up our intention but folks, it's okay. It is just fine because that's what makes a unique landscape. That's what makes um, all the difference so that your landscape isn't a cookie cutter landscape with your neighbors. Something different, something unusual in your space. And I think that's a very important. Now, of course, today we're talking about maintenance. And so the last little bit of gardening truth that I would say when it comes to perennials is that garden maintenance is work. Let's not be wrong. Let's not be uh, be too shy to say that. Garden maintenance is work. But, and there should always be a but when we say something like that, it can be minimized to be efficient. And it's definitely not drudgery. Okay, even though it's work, let's say that it's not drudgery. Like we hate to go out into the landscape and to maintain our garden beds. It's definitely... An absorbing, result-oriented effort that yields visible and gratifying and often thrilling results. Because at the end of your hard labors, and of course, maintenance is never really ending. It just may become more efficient. At the end of the hardest part of maintaining your landscape, you should see wonderful results that have been Created and have been sculpted and maintained by your very own hands. I think it brings about a sense of rewardment. It definitely brings about a sense of pleasure to the eyes, to the visual, and to the whole experience, whether you're creating a perennial border around your back lawn or whether you're using a few perennials mixed in with some of your shrubbery and hedges. When you walk out and in and amongst your plants, and maybe even visitors to your home, dinner guests, or family members, whomever, the whole experience can be quite rewarding. And it's all because of our hard efforts. And I think that that has something to say. That has something uh, to inspire us and to encourage us to know that there's no place in the world, there is no small or large tract of land on this entire earth that looks and feels, has the atmosphere that yours does. It's unique. It's different. Maybe it's unusual, maybe it's mundane, maybe it's monotonous, but regardless, whatever it is, it is yours, and you have created it all on your own. So that leads us into the not drudgery, (laughs) that leads us into the activities of the maintaining perennials, and of course, I've already mentioned them. We're going to be talking about water. You and I both know how important water is, especially here in the South over summer in particular. We usually have plenty in the wintertime, but over summer we do have uh, some very hot days. And then fertilizing. Of course, fertilizing is that feeding, right? Giving your plants what they need. Remember the old saying if you don't eat for 30 years, if you don't eat for 5 years, you're going to be pretty small and so too will your plants. They will be pretty small as well. Then we're going to talk about mulching. Of course, we've talked about mulching in the past, but more specifically about how to do it in the perennial garden and weeding. Weeds are not our best friends. Our benef- our, our desired plants are our best friends, but we got to get the weeds out. So we'll talk about that. And then of course, some grooming and pruning. Yes, you don't just prune your dogs. I mean, sorry, you don't just groom your dogs. You have to groom your plants, too. So we'll talk about more uh, perennial garden when we get back from this quick break. Hang on tight, gang. Well, gang, if you're just joining us for today's program, you're going to find out that we're talking about maintaining our perennial garden. That's right. Of course, perennials are those plants that come back year after year. And because of that, they'll need a little bit of maintenance to make sure they're healthy, happy and growing well. We have to make sure that we're maintaining them and giving them a safe place to live and an encouraging space so they can spread their roots and extend their systems. Now, of course, when we talk about maintenance, we are talking about watering and fertilizing and mulching and weeding and pruning and those kinds of things. But for the perennial garden, it it may be very different. And so since we're focusing on perennials, we're going to talk about these kind of, uh, specifically, these, these activities, these maintenance activities specific to perennial gardens. Now, watering, of course, is always a big concern. Watering is always concerned. People come into Lanier Nursery and Gardens, where you can find me throughout the week, and say, How much do I need to water? Tell me how many days and how long and how much. And I say, Well, I don't know. I can't exactly do that. And one of the things about watering is that your soil on the front side of the house may be completely different than the soil on the back side of your house. As a matter of fact, soil can be different from a footstep apart, it literally can. And so with that being said, you've got to become very aware and become uh, very familiar with what is going on in your soil. Do you have more clay soil? Do you have uh, more sandy soils or loamy soils? The, the, these soils are all just fine to start with, but I will say that in order to mitigate water and making sure that um, water is is able to be held on to the soil but not too tightly that it stays too wet is Always adding organic matter, and we'll talk about that during the mulching section. But otherwise, if you've got a decent garden soil that drains well, uh, soil that drains well but doesn't hold on to too much water, so say moist but well draining, we love to use that term, it's moist but it's well draining, that would be ideal. And you may find that with mulching, you don't have to water nearly as much. But of course, we always say that plants need about an inch of water per week. Now sometimes, maybe in the spring, less so in the summer, we do get about an inch of water per week, or maybe a little less than an inch, but maybe just uh, sufficient for plants from rain. If we get rain, you'll know that after a good rain, you can probably skip your watering. But it's going to be hard to say, should you water every single day? Most likely, you don't have to water every single day when your plants are in the ground because they can tap into excess water. And actually, they can find the water and then they'll expand their root system so it's bigger and larger and they have less problems with trying to find water once their roots have grown. But the most important thing right after planting is that for that first season of growth or so, you will want to water your plants or at least make sure they're getting the water. So the very first year, and maybe even into year two, we would recommend to go into the landscape on a regular basis, monitor the soil using your hands, making sure the soil is not too dry, um, making sure it's not wet, and if it seems to be dry, then you can apply water. So again, my little saying is monitor before you moisturize. Monitor your soil and the soil around your plant's roots before you moisturize. The, rea- the, the reason I say it that way is because some people we do want to just put it on a schedule and, and do it and get it done and check it off the check it off the calendar. But if your plant's roots have plenty of moisture, then adding more moisture may create a very wet condition. Watering every day usually creates a wet condition in the soil. It never dries out. Oxygen cannot return because the water is there. Water is like a thug in the uh, soil. It will push all the air out, creating a very boggy-like area until it drains. Then oxygen can come back in. And plants need as much, uh, much oxygen at their roots as they do moisture at their roots. So if you're watering every day, you're keeping that soil saturated. And from that point on what you're finding is your plant's roots may start to rot. They may start to rot and decay, and that is never, never a good thing. So definitely monitor before you moisturize. Younger plants, they may need more water. Um, Bigger plants in bigger root pots, those root balls may require more water, on the other hand, because the root ball is, is just larger. So keep an eye. I would rather you monitor your moisture level and water conditions um, without having to, uh, to just apply water uh, to, to too much uh, degree. We don't want to overwater. water. That is true. If you're in a raised bed or have a, a soil that may be quick draining, then obviously that will require more and, and frequent, frequent irrigation During dry spells, keep a close eye on what is coming out of the sky because during dry spells, you may need to water more frequently. And then, of course, uh, plants that are in trouble, maybe they're wilting, maybe they're dropping their leaves. If there are some signs of distress like that, they may need extra moisture immediately. But I would recommend, again to make sure that the soil is not too wet because wet soil can lead to a certain kind of wilt and dropping of leaves just like dry soil. So just because something is wilting doesn't mean that the soil is too dry. It may mean that it's too wet and you only get that if you monitor that soil before you moisturize. Now you can water in certain different ways First of all, you can water an entire bed. If you've created a uh, a perennial bed, say it's a 10 by 20. Oh, that's a big bed. It's long and wide. You can water that entire uh, bed. It may not, all the plants in there may not need the water. But of course, that would lead to a little bit of water waste and we do want to preserve as much water as we can. Uh, One way to do this may be to use a soaker hose running through the bed, just snake it through that long or small bed and you can turn the soaker hose on. It gets the water at the plant's root system and you can let it slowly drip and percolate into the soil so you have no runoff and it's all going to the plant's roots. But then you'll also have to spot water. If you're not going to water an entire bed, you will have to spot water from time to time. And those kinds of plants may be larger plants, plants that have bigger leaves that just send off more, uh, that dry out faster. Um, older plants may not need it as much as younger plants, so if you got a mixture of plants in a bed, in a border, be sure to look at them as uh, individually as possible to see if you need to do any spot watering. I'm going to run through a few watering options. There are plenty. We've talked about a soaker hose. Of course, everybody knows the watering can. Of course, it can take a while if you have a lot of plants, so I wouldn't necessarily depend on it too much. A bottle or a jug is just fine. It doesn't look very pretty, uh, but it, 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 uh, it may not also help to distribute the water evenly. A watering can may have a spout on it that has a um, kind of a shower head. That would be ideal. Anytime we pour a stream of water onto the soil, it may uh, disrupt the soil and lose its integrity. Now, of course, a hose can be just fine, but a hose with a nice sprayer showerhead on the end is probably best. Sprinklers can be cheap. They can be uh, very expensive if you have a sprinkler system. But if you've got a lot of plants, it may be worth the expense to just flip a switch and turn sprinklers on. Now, of course, we mentioned the soaker hose, and usually those things are uh, hoses that have tiny microscopic holes in them, and the water seeps out when you turn it on, and it just drips, drips, drips on either side. So there are a lot of ways that you can water, but again, when it comes to watering, I always encourage folks to monitor before you moisturize. So when it comes to maintenance, of course, watering is usually number one, especially since we're talking about starting a new garden, starting a new space, and it's going to be uh, even more important as the summer approaches if you've planted here in the spring. now. Of course, we've already said that spring is a better time to plant perennials, but it's not the only time. You can still continue to do that. Just remember, we're going to have to look at our water situation, making sure that we keep them hydrated. But watering is not the only kind of maintenance we need to do. We'll talk about fertilizing and, of course, mulching when we get back from this quick break. Because, again, we can't let maintenance be a drudgery. It's just part of cultivation. It's part of gardening. And we can become efficient at maintenance so that it's more enjoyable. So when we get back, folks, more maintenance to come. You know, gang, I was thinking just over the break, what would the point of gardening be (laughs) if we didn't have to maintain it? I mean, if we literally just planted the plants and watched them grow, we didn't have to prune, we didn't have to fertilize, we didn't have to water, we didn't have to um, whatever, pull the weeds, what would be the point? (laughs) It wouldn't be very fun, would it? We would have nothing to do but just sit back and enjoy it. And eventually, I think that would become drudgery. So we can't let maintenance feel like drudgery. We have to let it soak into our gardening blood and our gardening veins and accept the fact that these plants need our help. (laughs) Of course, they might grow just happily on their own in some wild field somewhere. But we want to enjoy them, right? We want to be around our plants. We want to have fun with our plants. We want to show our plants off to our neighbors and our loved ones and our friends and family. So to make them look tip-top and pretty, we've got to do a few things to them. And if you're just joining us today on New Southern Garden, of course, we're talking about the perennial garden specifically. But we are talking about how do we maintain the perennial garden. For a while now, we've talked about the perennial garden, different aspects of it. Last week, we ended with planting, planting the perennial garden. And then what follows logically next is how do you keep that going? How do you keep that alive and looking pretty? And so if you've missed any episode of this series, the perennial garden, then check us out online at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can find every episode of this show ever. And you can also send us a question on the contact us page because we are having our Q&A week coming up and I know there's probably something bothering your landscape that you need a solution for. And we'd be glad to help get you some ideas to solving your gardening problems. So with all that being said, again, you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram. And there we have... um, a space where we we can we let you know when the shows are available online. You can send us pictures and videos of your landscape and share them with our community. The New Southern Gardeners, if you will. And we can help each other out. So check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Of course, that's just New Southern Garden. But with all that being said, the perennial garden needs some help from us from time to time. We've already talked before the break about Watering. And when you're planting this time of year, you can almost guarantee you'll have to do some kind of watering. But we did simplify it and say we can monitor before we moisturize. That way, we know when the soil needs it or when the plants need the water, and we're not giving it too much. We're not giving it too little. Always be monitoring, monitoring your soil, feeling of the earth, and making sure there's moisture there. But there is something else the plant needs that if it lacks, it will not. Uh, it will not grow to its full potential. And that's going to be fertilizing your perennials, fertilizing your perennials. Now, of course, uh, we've talked about fertility in the soil before, and we know that if we generally have a clay soil here in the Piedmont, um, that that soil is going to be able to hold on to certain nutrition. It has small enough particles that it really holds on to phosphorus, potassium, and a lot of micronutrients. But, of course, nitrogen is not something that the soil holds on to very well. And so with that in mind, we do need to be applying fertilizer. We do need to make sure that um, the plants have enough nutrition, enough food. But there's another way you could look at this. You could say, well, it's survival of the fittest. There's a survival of the fittest approach. Uh, And it's okay to think about, too. In other words, um, if you don't want to be regularly fertilizing, or always, or if you don't mind removing plants that don't uh, live up to their expectation, the survival of the fittest approach would be to let them just live life how they are. If they don't make it, we replace it with something else until we find something that doesn't need your assistance uh, very much. And, And you could consider that in all of these maintenance areas. Survival of the fittest, if you will. If it's going to live, it's going to live. I'll say that to some degree I have that approach. I enjoy it. I like it because at the nursery, I've got a million gazillion plants in pots to take care of. I don't have the time to uh, baby plants that are growing in the earth. If they're going to grow in the earth, they're going to have to do just that with very little assistance from me. But (laughs) for unusual and harder to grow plants that you really want to have, you may have to show them some attention. And when it comes to fertilizing, one of the very first things you need to do is to get a soil sample tested. Now, of course, you can do that through your Cooperative Extension Office here in in, in our state. That's through the University of Georgia and the County Agents Office, if you will. You send it to your County Agents, your Cooperative Extension Agents Office, and they ship it to Athens, and it's tested, and you you are emailed your test results within a few days. And I think it's only like eight bucks. It is probably the best eight bucks you'll ever spend in your landscape because it will tell you what you need and how much you need it with certain recommendations rather than guessing at it. Rather than guessing at it. Guessing at it is, is, an, is an okay way to do it, but you will have a better time and more success if you know exactly what's in your soil and if you need to change something there. Now, of course, fertilizing works this way. Fertilizer is plant food. It is going to nourish your perennial. It's going to keep them uh, making new growth. And it's also important to understand that fertilizer does not cause cell growth. Rather, its nutrients support, um, the nutrients themselves support the cell growth by providing energy. Now, many of the basic nutrients that plants need, I've already mentioned that we've got nitrogen, and phosphorus, uh, potassium. Those are the big three. You know, on the uh, labels on these fertilizer bags, they have these ratios. They're separated by a hyphen or a dash, 5-10-5, 10-10-10. Those are your ratios. And, of course, the first number is nitrogen, the second number is phosphorus, and the last number is potassium. Now, here's a brief um, brief description of what these big uh, big fertilizer numbers do. Of course, the nitrogen enhances the growth of leaves and stems. That is going to be the up. It's growing everything above the ground. It's growing the leaves, the stems. It's growing um, the foliage, if you will. Then the phosphorus. It aids in the production of flowers and fruits and seeds and roots. And so sometimes we say phosphorus is the down. So the nitrogen is up. The phosphorus is down growth, and poda- potassium increases a plant's resistance to disease and generally promotes vigor. They can It can also help to promote flowering and general overall health. So nitrogen is up, phosphorus is down, and potassium is all around. So that helps you to remember just a little bit, kind of vaguely, uh, but helps you to remember what each number will do. And increasing one of those numbers will increase its effects. So increase nitrogen... Then you'll increase the upgrowth. You'll be increasing the foliage growth. Increase phosphorus. You'll be increasing uh, the downgrowth and and, and the root production. You'll be increasing flowers and fruit sets. And then potassium, you'll be increasing uh, all around health. It can be an easy way to remember what those numbers do, but it's not quite precise, I would say. But regardless, that's just a brief description of the nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, which are sometimes called macronutrients. And then, of course, we have the smaller nutrients we call micronutrients or trace elements. Some of those things are calcium, magnesium, sulfur, boron, chlorine, iron, zinc, copper, manganese, molybdenum, molybdenum. Molybdenum, I can finally say it. All of these things are things that plants need, but they need them in small doses. But you may still have plant deficiency in some of these things. So just be aware that plants need more than nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. They just need more nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium than all of the rest. Now, how do you know when your fertilizer, when your plants, when your perennial plants need fertilizer? Well, you may find that there are some deficiencies. Their appearance may look off and their performance may be poor. Um, If a plant or a group of plants develops a problem, just take a sample of that affected plant um, take it into a garden center. You can come to Linear Nursery and Gardens or you can go to the extension agent in your county uh, just before assuming that it might be a nutrient problem because there are some patterns, there are some things you can look for in the foliage of the plant that may tell us there is a deficiency. But sometimes, you know, pests, sometimes bugs and diseases may have similar effects on plants that nutrients do, but not always. So definitely check it out if you're not too sure. Now, you've already tested your soil, so one of the major concerns could be pH problem. If you didn't test your soil, the pH may be too high, it may be too low, and, of course, that could cause problems uh, with the way that um, your plants have access to the nutrients that they need. So, nutrient deficiencies are a real thing. You may see yellow leaves. You may see white veining. You may see green veining inside of the leaf. You may see purple uh, tinge to the plant leaves. You may see some kind of spots and whatnot. And those are, can be signs of nutrient deficiencies. Not all plant problems come from pests and diseases, um, insects, if you will. But um, sometimes the plant problems do come from lack of nutrition which can be a major concern, because if the plant can never get what it needs, it can never get what it needs, then it won't perform at its finest. Now, some common fertilizers include, you know, chemical fertilizers, um, but also... Uh, organic fertilizers, uh, as far as organics, uh, organics go, you've got manures, whether it's chicken or cow, just make sure those are well composted. Uh, kind of an old-fashioned one, but bat guano, bat guano was really popular, I think you can still find it. Uh, blood meal, bone meal, fish emulsion, these are all very much organic products to use. Now the chemical and granular fertilizers. Uh, there are granules, of course. Those would be things that are spread out on the ground, uh, like salt and peppering your potatoes. I always say, just sprinkle it out. Then, of course, there's um, more chemical types that that are um, water soluble, and that would be things like Miracle Grow. You know, the blue stuff, that sort of thing. But regardless, um, th- the point is is to make sure that you're using what you need. If you put more than what you need, then the plant may not even need it, and it will just wash away. But it may wash away downhill into another planting bed. So sometimes extra fertilizer doesn't go to waste. Uh, But regardless, uh, when you're looking at some of these fertilizers, make sure that they're slow-release fertilizers, meaning that they don't give all their nutrients up right away. They slowly break down. They slowly release. That is the goal. All all of the organic fertilizers, if it comes from manure, if it comes from compost, if it comes from bat guano or blood meal, those types of fertilizers are naturally slow release because they have to undergo a bacterial process in the soil before the nutrients can be made available to the plants, to the plants themselves. So when you're looking at more chemical things, make sure that they've been formulated to be slow release. Of course, at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, we have our Florican, which is a lot like the the, uh, box store special called Osmocote. Those are both formulated to slowly break down. I'll say that ours is cheaper uh, than the box stores, but regardless, it's going to work beautifully and work fine. Again, if you are planting new plants, I do encourage to fertilize. And then keep a close eye, keep a close watch, keep a close watch, because you never know when a plant is limiting until you see what is going on with the plant, you may not catch a deficiency. And we don't, we want our plants to become as strong as quickly as possible. So we definitely don't want to over fertilize them, but we don't want to under fertilize them either. But there's more than just fertilizing. When we get back, we're going to talk about mulching and weeding and a little bit of pruning. And these are activities that you can find relaxing. Again, this is not drudgery. this is exciting stuff. You're cultivating. you're growing your plants. you're making them healthy and happy. So healthy and happy plants when we get back from this break.
0: Now I'm lost in the delta.
1: Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the New Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com, where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone. So get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. Well, gang, we've still got a lot of perennial talk to go and not much time to do it in. So, of course, we're going to jump right back into the perennial garden, maintaining the perennial garden, keeping your garden looking good all year. What does that include? we talked about watering. Your plants will have watering needs, and we've got to fulfill them, and your plants will have fertilizing needs. They'll need some food, so they've got to eat. Remember... If your plants don't eat regularly, they will be small, just like us, (laughs) just like us. But another thing that we want to do in the perennial garden, as with all gardens, is going to be be mulching. Mulching is essential. It's necessary. Um, And here's a few reasons why, of course. Uh, When you mulch, your garden looks neater, and it looks more attractive. Then, when you mulch, the weeds are inhibited. That means less competition for your plants, less work for you. And uh, if a few weeds do show up, they're easier to pull because usually they're growing in the soft mulch rather than the harder, uh, heavier soil. Now, another thing that uh, uh, mulching will do is increase, uh, or rather soil moisture is held in, and you don't have to water as often. That's a plus. And soil temperature fluctuations are moderated. That's going to allow especially young plants to get established faster and allows older, more established plants to prosper with even less stress. Now, soil renewal is encouraged by mulching because the mulch will break down and enter the soil over time. The earthworms, the beetles, the bugs, they pull that beautiful organic matter into the soil, making it a wonderful soil. And another good thing, especially with clay soils, is that mulching prevents a crust from forming on the soil surface, which allows for better water penetration. You don't have much water percolation with a crusty soil. And clay, of course, is going to be a uh, big cruster if it doesn't have organic matter on the top. Some of the mulches you can use, of course, shredded barks or bark chips, You can even use grass clippings. Uh, You can use compost and rotting leaves as mulches. Hay and straw work well, but what I will say is be sure that the hay or straw has not been treated with certain chemistries that may prevent your perennials from growing. Uh, Folks who produce hay and straw sometimes use chemistry on those hay fields, and those chemistries may linger for a long time, maybe never breaking down. Uh, but once it's applied around your plants, it may affect those. Mushroom compost is a great way to mulch because it's uh, super fine, breaks down quickly, enters the soil, actually gives the perennials a good bit of nutrition um, as it breaks down. Uh, cocoa, h- coconut holes, uh, which of course we may or may not be able to find here. But pine straw, a lot of folks use pine straw. And well-rotted sawdust. Can you use gravel or stone? Yes, you can use gravel or stone, I'd Don't always prefer it. It doesn't build the soil, and sometimes it works itself into the soil, creating kind of a mushy look with the soil. Uh, Plastics, of course, um, plastics are okay, but it doesn't build the soil, just like rocks. They don't build the soil, um, and I would only use them temporarily, and if you use plastics of some kind or landscape fabric, It's better to cover it with pine straw and rake back the pine straw every year, replacing with fresh. Don't put mulch on the weed fabric because weeds will grow in the mulch, and then the point of the weed fabric is lost. The whole purpose is is lost. So mulching is essential for all of those benefits and keeping your plants looking great. Now, I don't have to uh, tell you much about weeding, I'm sure. But I will give you a few tips on making weeding, weeding easier. It's best to weed early in the season. Or I should say it's best to weed when the weeds are small. They're easier to pull out. Um, also, if the soil tends to be moister in the spring and then again early summer, uh, weeds should be able to be extracted from that damp ground a bit easier than hard, dry soil in the summer. But the goal here is also pull the weeds anytime you see them. Anytime you see weeds... Uh, pluck them, put them in a pile, throw them in a bucket, get them far away from the garden as soon as you can. Now, when in doubt, hold off on pulling plants. You never know if, uh, uh, if you're not sure if an emerging plant is actually a weed or if it's a good perennial that may have gone to seed or maybe just popping up from the ground in the wintertime. So be sure that if there's something questionable, let it grow But keep your eye on it, and by the time that it produces a flower, you should be able to identify it, but be realistic. If it appears to be growing and it still doesn't look like a familiar plant or something you want or would have planted, don't wait and get rid of it. When it comes to weeds, you've got to get the roots. You've got to get the roots. And don't let them go to seed. Weeds that go to seed just continue to be a problem. So if something seems to be putting out little uh, pods and buds ready to flower, once they've flowered, you need to pull them because you don't know how many days it'll be before weed seed is produced. And then just patrol the area. Patrol the area. Your perennial garden on any given day uh, may be indeed weed-free, but... If there are weeds growing a few feet away or around a corner, then that achievement of weed freeness may be only temporary. So get rid of the weeds that are growing nearby as well. We would try to avoid weed killer. Uh, we don't want those the good plants to be affected by, any kind of herbicides there may be cases when you could use it but again when you start using herbicides you risk killing good plants uh, just by circumstance just by happenstance so with all that in mind one of the last things we need to do other than watering fertilizing mulching and weeding is to groom your plants and to prune them deadheading is essentially grooming it's not heavy pruning. It's light pruning on the tips. Now, again, deadheading uh, refers to spent flower heads that have gone to seed or kind of turned brown. They're wilted back. We trim those back, and when we do, most plants will send up new, uh, new flowers. Not every perennial blooms with deadheading, but deadheading does encourage the continuation of of blossoms, so keeping your deadheading on is ideal. Now, how about staking? It's a it's a kind of grooming, if you will. Staking is essential for some plants. Uh, some plants like peonies. We've talked a lot about herbaceous peonies because we love them at Lanier Nursery and Gardens. We've got a great selection of them available, but they do get kind of floppy when the flowers are opened up. So we would uh, put some kind of staking around them. We have a grow-through grid ring at the nursery that does wonders on your perennials uh, as far as staking. Of course, there's cages, um, there's bamboo canes, all kinds of things. For things that get tall and kind of lanky, you may want to keep them upright. Now, of course, spring cleanup. Spring cleanup is going to be ideal. Anything that was dry or crispy over winter, uh, we would be sure to trim it back to the ground or to at least where there's some green. And then again in the fall, there is a routine. Um, You can drastically cut back in the fall if you would like. I tend to let my perennials go brown through the fall and do all of my trimming one time of the year, make it efficient, let them dry completely uh, and prune them back late winter uh, if you can. So gang, I just want to remind you, the perennial garden can be fun and enjoyable, can be fun and enjoyable for years to come, but it does take a little bit of effort, does take a little bit of work. We've got to water from time to time. We've got to fertilize time to time. Mulch, weed, and groom and prune our plants. And if you do these things, if you show them love, one man told me, show your plants love, give them sun, show them love, and they will love you back. I hope that you've enjoyed this uh, program today about perennial Gardens, and join us next week right here at New Southern Garden. My name is Nathan Wilson, hoping you stay well and grow well. We'll see you next week.